The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So we know from our reading in Acts 1 that Jesus spent 40 days with the disciples before his ascension. And you know, it would have been wonderful to have been there and to listen to what the Lord was telling the disciples was going to happen and what the future was for those who believed in him. And we also read that he taught them uh, things concerning the kingdom of God. And in these 40 days, Jesus gave them instructions concerning his body, the church. So these were direct instructions to the disciples. These weren't uh, word of mouth passed down uh, and uh, rules given and someone went to the disciples and told them. This was Jesus himself talking to the disciples. And lastly, he told them they were to wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost. And so, like we asked before, what did the disciples do when they met someone who wanted to be saved? So we understand that they had been instructed by Jesus what they were to do. And so what did they do? So we went to Acts 2 from verse 37. And this is Peter had uh, preached on the steps in Jerusalem. Now when they heard this, the people were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And so we see very plainly there what the disciples uh, who, who were taught personally by Jesus were to do. They were to tell men to repent. This is the first thing that Peter said to them. Now repent means you gain a sense of guilt. I mean, you can't repent if you don't feel a sense of guilt. An apprehension of God's mercy. It's a sorrow for sin and a turning away from sin unto God. In fact, the original Greek word denotes a complete change of mind. Adam Clark, he said, the verb is either compounded or after and to understand, which signifies that after hearing such preaching, the sinner is led to understand that the way he has walked in was a way of misery, death, and hell. The Latin term repentance means a growing wise again. So therefore, repentance implies that a measure of divine wisdom is communicated to the sinner and that he thereby becomes wise unto salvation. And you know, when you think back, those of us who follow the Lord, on the, the, the night we give our hearts to the Lord or we surrender our lives to the Lord, I think it's a better way of putting it. Before that night, we weren't aware of our sinnership 
Maybe like me, you're under conviction. I just believed that I needed to go to church. For some reason, I just needed to get to church. Never thought about repentance, never thought about turning around. But that night when we prayed along with the late Pastor Connolly and late Pastor McCulloch, it was just like an, an eye-opening for us both in the sense that we needed to repent and turn to, the God, to God. So a sinner, their mind, their purposes, their opinions, their inclinations are all changed. And that, in consequence, leads to a change in their conduct. You see, men, men innately want to be self-determining, to go their own way. Men want to do their own thing. Especially today, well, I can say especially today because I'm of this generation, but I'm sure generations in the past would have said the same things. And if the Lord tarries, no doubt they'll repeat that again. They want to do their own things. I've met people and they want to negotiate with God about their salvation. They would tell you that they, they, they know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. But they're happy, they're doing no one any harm, and they don't feel they need, some of them have even told me they don't feel they need to go to church. And so there's no conviction there in them. And it's like I've often said from the pulpit here, it's the Holy Ghost which convicts men. And when the Holy Ghost convicts men, it it takes away that self-determination. Because for men, Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you can ask out in society today and, you know, even ask the question of people, well, what do you think makes a Christian? And you'll hear all sorts of answers. But there's only one way, and we've seen it, and Jesus is the way. And he told Peter what to say or what to tell people, and Peter said, repent. So to be a Christian is to turn to God and to live in God's will and to live in God's ways. In fact, Jesus himself said, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. In prayer, he taught the disciples when he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the thing about being a Christian. It's about living a life for God. As I said, we innately like to do our own things, but whenever you are convicted by the Holy Ghost, and you know you need uh, saved, you know you need to turn from your sins, You have to surrender your life. Jesus himself said he doesn't like lukewarm Christians. You have to give God your everything. You have to say, Lord, your will be done in my life. Your ways be done in my life. The way I react to things is going to have to change. The way I reacted sometimes to things I didn't like was anger and temper. And when Christ came into my life, I changed that. And I'm not perfect. I'm sure I have uh, had a temper tantrum the odd time. But we try to live the way he wants us to live. To love people as he loved them. To accept people as he accepted them. And to forgive them as he forgave us. You see, there's no safety in mere conviction for sin. It may soon pass off and leave the soul as thoughtless as before. And that, for me, is why I feel... When someone wants to be, for example, baptized in Jesus' name, I want it done as soon as possible. I know of a church, not in Northern Ireland, and uh, we had, we, Jean and I had visited, they had, had a previous week, I think it was, a baptismal service, 
and they were rejoicing. There was 20 people baptized. It's fantastic, really fantastic. And I was talking to the pastor, and I said to him, you know, these new members of the church, and he said, no, no, some of these people, we do this maybe once, maybe twice a year with enough candidates. And so I said to him, well, what about those who maybe came forward, told you they wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name, but had to wait six months? I mean, have any of them left? And he said, yes, unfortunately, yes. You see, we can plant a seed in your heart, and Satan can take it away. The same with, with you're in a church, and you feel God talking to you. Now is the time to turn your heart to him, because the minute you walk out of the anointing, the minute you walk out of the church, that old carnal man in you is going to start eating away, and you'll be like the seed which is planted on the rocky soil. It, it doesn't produce anything, or the birds of the air come and take it away. When God calls you, you need to answer, because whenever God calls you and you answer, he will surround you with his love. He will come into your life. He will help you. You will not turn out to be the perfect person in the blink of an eye. You'll make mistakes, but God and his mercy will be there, and he will open your eyes to see that. He will open your eyes to see his love and to see his goodness. So there's no safety in just being convicted this morning. You have to give your life and turn from sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no godliness or holiness in mere alarm or conviction. You see, the devil, he trembles in fear when the word of God is preached. Man may, may fear, yet still remain in his sins. And repentance, therefore, is necessary. I remember one night in the Shankill Church of God, uh, Pastor McComish was there at the time. He was ill, and I used to go over and do Bible studies for him and help him out with you know, funerals and things like this. But anyhow, I was over one... Uh, I think it was a midweek service, and he'd asked me to speak and prophesy. And so I spoke on the end times, and I sort of concentrated on, you know, the disasters and wars and things like this. And after the service, there was two people came to me, one a young woman, and she said, after hearing tonight the word of God, I have to get saved. I have to get saved. And she gave her heart to the Lord. Billy Brown, the elder, he led her to the Lord. And then there was a gentleman, and he came, and he said to me, mate, you frightened the life out of me up there. And I says, no, I didn't frighten the life out of you. The Word of God frightened the life out of you. And he says, you know, I need to get my life right with God. And I asked him, would he, uh, he like me to pray with him? And no, 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 look, I need to think about it. Well, from contact with Alistair and Billy Brown, uh, that guy never gave his heart to the Lord. See, he was convicted he knew he needed to be saved, but conviction's not enough. You need to surrender there and then to the Lord Jesus Christ. These were the instructions he gave the disciples. When people were convicted, what did the disciples do? What did the apostles do? They prayed with them. They didn't say, come back next week. They knew, isn't it said in the word of God, now is the appointed time. And you, someone here this morning who maybe feels convicted, now is your appointed time to just turn everything over to Jesus. So we can assume that on Jesus' instructions, the disciples told the unsaved that, as we've seen, they needed to repent. They needed to personally ask the Lord into their hearts, because no one can do that for you. It has to be 
a personal choice. I know there's some faiths where you can be baptized, or they can be baptized for you. Well, that's not the Word of God. It's a personal choice by an individual to surrender your life to the Lord. But then we say, well, was that it? Did Jesus just tell the disciples or the apostles, just tell people to repent, and when they repent, that's all that's required? Well, Peter went on to say something else. Again, having been instructed by Jesus, he said, and be baptized every one of you. So there was no exceptions there, every one of you. A public profession was to follow a personal uh, profession. To be baptized meant that you were associating yourself with Jesus. That old man was dead after repentance, and now you arise a new man or woman in Christ. Telling the world, as we looked at this the other week, telling the world that you belong to Jesus. You no longer serve the God of this world, the devil. Just like the Israelites, as we, we looked at this, if you remember, when they were released by Pharaoh, they were still in Egypt as they approached the sea. So therefore, they were still under Pharaoh's domain. They were still under his, uh, his laws, and they would still have to serve him living in Egypt. But they went through the waters and passed on to the other side, and Pharaoh knew that they were no longer his slaves. The world who watched on knew that Israel were the children of God and God had delivered them. And you as a believer this morning, if you go through the waters of baptism, the devil will know that you no longer live under his domain. The world will see that you are no longer a child of this world, but you are a child of the kingdom of God. And that's the public profession that you make in your water baptism. Your baptism is your visible sign of your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's letting the devil know, it's letting the world know that I am a child of God. The old man is dead, the new man is risen, and I am a new creature in Christ. Amen. <clears throat> it is the open witness of your desire to follow him and to obey him. And that's the thing about genuine conversion to Christianity or someone giving their heart to the Lord. You want to do what Jesus asks you to do. You want to follow the road that Jesus asks you to follow. In Romans 6, it says, Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin." So here we have Paul telling us that we are baptized into his death. And therefore, as we've said, the old man is buried with him and that like him we rise a new creature in Christ Jesus our Lord. How was this to be done? You see, there are people <coughs> who, okay, I'll follow Jesus, but are they following it the way Jesus wanted it to be done? Again, we go back to our open reading. We understand that 
<coughs> that Jesus spent, well, he spent more than 40 days in total with them, but before his ascension, he spent 40 days instructing them as to how the New Testament church was going to be built, how the church, his body, was going to be done. And we've seen also that baptism was necessary. So the first thing about baptism we see, it was to be done <coughs> to believers. Excuse me. <coughs> Amen. It was to be done to believers. It says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. You see, this is a conscious decision. An infant cannot make this decision. And I say this with respect. I'm not saying this to point out how wrong other people are. I'm telling you what the Word of God says, and you draw your own conclusions from that. It has to be a conscious decision. A baby cannot make a conscious decision. The children in the Bible were dedicated unto the Lord. When a new child was born, they brought the child to the house of the Lord. They give a sacrifice depending on their wealth. They give a sacrifice to the Lord. The priest in the temple would have taken the baby, and he was God's representative. So they were giving the baby to God. And he would have prayed a blessing on the child. And then he returns the baby to the parents. And he tells the parents of their commitment now, having said that they're going to bring this child up in the things of God. He reminds them of their commitment before Almighty God. There was no uh, infant baptism in the Word of God. You know, as many people have been baptized, Hitler was baptized. I remember watching a, a pastor preaching on this, and apparently Edi Amin was baptized as an infant. So it doesn't change a child. And with the greatest respect, it doesn't bring a child into the church. You have to repent, and you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. And this can only be done by a mature man or woman, or even a young person, who feels a call of God in their life and has repented. And you know, it's great to see younger folks coming forward and not letting the world get into their lives and destroy their lives. Only wish Adam and baptized at a much younger, yeah, give my heart to the Lord at a much younger age. The younger we begin to follow Jesus, the better. So it's to be a conscious decision by an individual. It's to be done by total immersion. The Greek word baptizo means to emerge or submerge. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch went down into the water. It says in Acts 8, 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. You see, again, for me, this stresses the importance of baptism. The importance of baptism in Jesus' name. He had gone into this chariot. We're told he was reading from Isaiah. And he wanted someone to explain this to him. He just couldn't comprehend it. And Philip, the Lord brought Philip to him, and Philip expounded the scriptures to him. And so there was conviction in him, and he wanted to follow the commands of Jesus. He was told through Isaiah the prophet who Jesus was, how Jesus fulfilled the scriptures, and then he wanted to follow Jesus. And Philip immediately said to him, well, here is water. <coughs> what is stopping us? Excuse me. Don't worry, I took a lateral flow test. I'm fine. <clears throat> he 
You see, sprinkling is an unscriptural practice, and it has robbed men and women who sincerely want to obey Jesus of the wonderful experience of baptism. And there are people, and with the most genuine of hearts, bring their children and have them christened, as they call it, or baptized. I told you when we were talking about this, hi, my mom, and hi, the minister, God bless him, and the St. Patrick's Church of Ireland in the Newton Arts Road actually opened the church so that I could be christened because the doctor told my mom I wasn't going to live at bronchial pneumonia. And so my mom's heart was, I need to get him christened. And there are people like that. There's a genuine desire to do what they heard that you have to do. But brothers and sisters, and my friend here this morning, the scriptures say it has to be done by a, a, a conscious adult, or, well, an adult who's conscious of what he's doing, sorry, is a better way of putting it. Don't rob yourself of the wonderful experience of baptism in Jesus' name. And this is it. It has to be done in the name of Jesus. Peter said, unto them repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 8, verse 12, it says, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Verse 16 for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Luke 24, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. We go down to 28, 19, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we've got the ask, as we did the last time we looked at this, did the apostles disobey Jesus? and change the formula for baptism? No, they didn't. Because we've seen, and again, if you'd be interested, I can put off about four or five, eight, four pages of quotes of stating this. Uh, the original scripture read, in my name, Matthew 28 and 19, the words of Jesus were baptizing them in my name. And so the disciples we've seen obeyed Jesus every word and baptized in his name. Acts 10, 48, we'll let the scriptures confirm it. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 19, verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that said, it has to be a believer that has to be baptized. It has to be their own personal decision that they follow the Lord in obedience to his precious word. And it has to be done by total immersion, not by sprinkling. It's our prayer this morning that if you are here and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, that you take this opportunity. Our water tank is open. If you came this morning and you're not prepared, you weren't even thinking about baptism, do not worry. We have cloaks down there. We, uh, we have tiles down there. We have everything you need. All you have to do is come down with us and we will be delighted to help you go through the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. You don't have to be a member of this church. If you're visiting here this morning and God's speaking to your heart, then you can also join us and we would be delighted and honored to allow you and facilitate you to be baptized in Jesus' precious name. Galatians 3 verse 27, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. We want you to put on the Lord this morning. We want you to follow 
the word of God this morning. We want you to be obedient to what Jesus said. You're not being obedient this morning to what I said, because I can give you many more verses and and talk you through many more uh, events in the New Testament where they baptized in Jesus' name, where believers were baptized. Cornelius, he was a man where the Lord said that his prayers were set as a memorial before the Lord and that God was going to open the windows of heaven and pour a blessing on him. Him and his family were saved and were baptized in Jesus' name. When Peter was sent down, we all know this story, uh, when Peter was sent down to Cornelius, we, we looked, when we looked at this before at the Philippian jailer, Paul and Silas had been beaten and they were thrown into the very inner cell within the prison and they were worshiping the Lord. There was an earthquake. The doors opened, all the chains fell off and the jailer was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul told him not to. He says, we're all still here and we're all still in your custody as such. The Philippian jailer and his family were baptized in Jesus' name. Him and his household were saved. I would rather follow the Lord. You will go on the internet and you'll find people who tell you you don't need to be baptized and I don't know where they're getting it. The word of God is very plain. The word of God is very clear. And me personally, I want to do the things the way Jesus wants me to do them. We speak, and you know, I told you whenever I first came to Churches of God, they were giving a badge and on that badge, it said, uh, conviction brings repentance, repentance brings obedience, and obedience brings the Holy Ghost. I don't think it was actually a church badge. Now to think back, I think it was uh, Joe Hodgins gave me it. And that little saying always stuck with me. When you, repentance brings obedience. When we turn to God, then we want to follow God. For you to stand here this morning and say, yes, you know something? I've been convicted by the Holy Spirit. I need to get my life right with God. It's wonderful when someone does that. I remember being in my office one Sunday morning and a beautiful young man came into the office and he said, Pastor, he was in tears. He said, I need to get myself right with God. And I just praise God for that. And he's still walking with the Lord. That's conviction. He knew he needed to get his life right with God. But that brought obedience And the obedience is to do what Jesus asked you to do. And that's to go through the waters of baptism. If it's irrelevant, why on earth did Jesus spend 40 days telling the disciples to do this? If it's irrelevant, why did Peter on the steps of Jerusalem, that wonderful first sermon they call it of the New Testament church, why did he tell them to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name? If it's irrelevant, why did the Lord take Philip from the town he was in where he was doing a great job and people were being saved and take him all the way out to this Ethiopian eunuch? If it's irrelevant, why did God do that? If it's irrelevant, why did Paul baptize wherever he went? If it's irrelevant, irrelevant, why did he tell young Titus and, and Timothy why did he, what did he tell them? He told them to baptize in Jesus' precious name. You know, we have told you what the Bible says. 
And we just leave it now with God. That you indeed will make a choice to follow him. We'll make a choice to say, you know what? I'm going to make this public profession. God has come into my life. God has blessed my life. And I want to honor him by following him in obedience. I want to honor him by doing what it is he wanted me to do. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. I remember uh, a lady, you all remember Anna, the wee woman from Sydenham. Anna had asked me, could she be baptized? And I said, certainly. And she was disabled as such. She was fairly elderly and not very mobile. And I said, certainly, Anna. And we had arrangements and all in. Sister Margaret Story came into the tank with us. Uh, but about two days, so that would have been a Friday, before the Sunday evening service, Anna took a really bad heart attack. And I went up to the Royal to see her on the Saturday. And she was lying in bed, and she was crying. And I thought, you know, I mean, the, the, the heart attack scared her, and I was trying to reassure her. And you know what was wrong with her? She thought she wasn't going to get baptized. She thought she wasn't going to get baptized. And I said, Your Anna, if I have to buy a pool myself and bring it up to the royal, I'll make sure you're baptized. And she was. She came around at that time and was baptized in Jesus' name. Wonderful to see someone whose desire was to serve the Lord. I could tell you of other people, a woman called Marjorie in the nursing home, a Christian all her life, and used to come up here. And the thing with Marjorie, which will maybe prompt some of your memories, was she would never sit down. She was very unstable, but she insisted on standing. When other people stood to praise the Lord, Marjorie insisted on standing. So we always had someone over beside her to look after. And again, very, very frail, and went to church all her life, and then down in the nursing home, asked me to explain about what water baptism is, and cut a long story short, we talked it through, and she went through the waters of baptism. Two old frail people who knew or were convicted by God's word that this needs to be done. Wasn't something, think about it, and if you like it, go ahead. And they were frail, and it was hard for them. And uh, they both walked through the waters of baptism. And I wonder this morning, what's keeping you from going through the waters of baptism, young or old? What's keeping you from obeying the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ? They're not the commands of the churches of God in Ireland or Church of God Glenmacken, although we follow the commands. This is Jesus speaking. This is instructions for the church. And the wonderful thing is if you obey the Lord Jesus Christ and seek the unfilling of the Holy Ghost, you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. You will be empowered to live for the Lord. And that's a wonderful blessing. With uh, obedience came the blessing, and that was indeed the infilling of the Holy Ghost.